Hello, my name is Taylor Clement. I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And I believe this is our 51st episode. All right. So we're, we're getting there. At least Podbean tells us it's our 51st episode. Nice. Because, yeah, it's, it's real. And, you know, it, we, we've kind of had to take a little bit of a hiatus off um, from doing this because of wrapping up the school year. And I think most families understand why. But as we do this podcast, really our focus is just to kind of reflect on the school year and I think there's a few things that we can reflect on, both highs and lows, as, as you said, peaks and valleys, yeah. um, a myriad of other other type of parallels and hyperbole. But, yeah. um, you know, what what stands out to you this year, maybe unlike any other year that you've been a part of? You know, I remember telling my dad in the summer, I was like, I think I'll be shocked if we make it to Halloween. If we're still in school five days a week, full in person, I'll be floored if we make it to then. And I look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, we've made it all the way to May and have only had to shut down school once out of major precaution. That to me, which it's already we're going into a school year thinking how long are we going to make it, right? Right, right. Um, It's not like a snow day. Yeah, but that that to me is pretty unbelievable, um, especially given what we've seen around our country with with people still being online today. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting is like with a snow day, I feel like, and I use that as an example just because that can be kind of a random day off, right? Oh, we're off on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. January or February. Mm-hmm. And what's what's interesting to me is, okay, with a snow day, you at least have a, a wink and a nod from the weather person. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a few hours to maybe prepare before the school does something, or you know that it's it's possibly coming. You can feel it in the weather or maybe the, the, the barometer change, whatever that might be. And yet with this, it was, it was really random because all of a sudden you might get a text in the middle, you know, about nine o'clock at night at night right they always seem to have come at night it was always great always great coming at night oh yeah yeah there's many nights where i was in bed and maria you would text me and Uh all of a sudden i was out of bed yeah and i was on my computer for the next hour yes uh, sending sending those not that i'm complaining yeah no but that i mean i you know one of the things that that we talk about too within our culture of um with teachers and, and work-life balance that's really important for us. I think as a school to have work-life balance and COVID doesn't care about work-life balance. Yeah. So there were definitely, I mean, if, if we're gonna talk a valley, I mean, I would say, you know, there were definitely some valleys there where it didn't feel like we were catching a break with just the way that the COVID chips were falling. Um, I think the worst was for me was we got to a Friday night um, in a family pizza night. We were watching a movie and we had the kids down and literally I had just sat down to eat and you texted me yeah, I'm sure. on a Friday night. And I just remember like wanting to throw my food. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Now, had those moments. Now, for those of you listening, you're like, wow, this is really just a gripe session. I promise you we're, we're, we're going to flip the script here in yeah. just a second. but. You know, th- those were tough times, but mm-hmm. what what I try what I've tried to tell the faculty and what I put in my my last head of school message is really that you know there's been some heroic efforts that that have been made this year to keep our school open and and I'd say number one 
for our families, uh, the trust that you placed in us was incredible. And, and it was honoring, and it was truly life-giving to our faculty. And, and we can't thank you enough because you guys went out on a limb for us, and we, we thank you for that. And honestly, it was motivating. Incredibly. I mean, it's like that's why we did what we did on a Friday night or did what we did, right. you know, any – it made some of the hard calls that we had to make is because we knew that parents were counting on us mm-hmm. to to – take care of of the kids absolutely and you know the second thing the second thing that i would say is while we've worked really hard if you took our best effort on our best day it was never enough because god's grace honestly and i I think we're here to testify that this is this is an ebenezer for us Mm -hmm. that god has placed and said hey look i appreciate all the hard work you did but i had you from day one. I had you in July when you didn't think you were going to make it to Halloween. I had you when you were worried about your budget. I had you uh, throughout this time. And God took the worst of our experiences and gave us an even better blessing. Um, and that's the aspect that I think and, and I hope that we can reflect on as a community, not just a school, but to say, you know what, this is going to be a year that you're going to look back on. And Psalm 78 4 says, you know, we want you to tell your kids about it. We want yeah. you we want you to remember this year and to say look how good God was to us not just because of the people in there but because I loved you more than than the good works that mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to see the way that he has I mean blessed given us grace. You know, I think as an admin team too, we probably learned a lot about ourselves and you know, um yeah. You know, I, I think it was the year before last when we came in in August, you told us it's okay to fail. Um, I want you to fail. And it kind of took a year and a half or so for that to really sink in. But I think, you know, that's one of the things that we definitely learned this year was how to fail and how to not do things well um, at times. And that's always a humbling experience and always points us back to Christ. Because that is, I mean, it's okay if we don't do well because of yeah, his grace. Absolutely. And thank God we live in a community where we live by that. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's, a, that's a key place is we don't want to miss the fact that we are a, a school that is here to partner with Christian parents for the nurture, education, and equipping of their students to be disciples of Christ impacting the world. Period. That's our mission. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to go through that process, part of it is is the receiving of and at least the acknowledgement of God's grace. And I use this quote all the time, and I used it with our faculty just yesterday, and that is, God's grace is not for our vain imaginings, but it comes to us when we need it most. And that's by a guy named Lane Adams. And I, I love that quote, not because it, I feel like it's a great bumper sticker, but because so often we think, oh, yeah, God's grace, God's grace, or we'll sing about it or we'll sing Amazing Grace, and it gets popularized or trivialized at times in Christian culture or on Instagram or whatever that might be. But yet when we go through seasons like we've just gone through, when we really do feel like, okay, when is this going to end? All of a sudden we realize that, you know what, that that that, that pattern, that the thing that we went through that was so hard was actually an incredible blessing to us mm-hmm. um, because God's grace was abundant throughout it. And we got mm-hmm. to learn more about him and about his him, character. 
Yeah. And, and that that's something that is that is really, really humbling. So, yeah, I hope that makes up for the, a little bit of the griping yeah. because like here we are, you know, we, we do gripe about it. We, we do want to be in control of our, our evenings and things like that. But ultimately, God got sitting there going, hey, I want to just show you a little bit more about my character. And that part is one where you just go, "Ooh, OK, God, uh, sorry about that. Yeah. And, you know, as we shift to talking about more of the peaks, um, I think it's really interesting. And we've we've talked about this in some of the meetings that we've been in recently. But this is definitely a year of celebration, right? More so than any. I think we find ourselves saying we need to celebrate this. This is why we're doing the carnival tomorrow. You know, Um, this is why we wanted to make sure the, the Highlander games went off. And you know, the the joy and the celebration uh, that comes from this year, I think for me as just my personality, my Enneagram type six, I live in anxiety. It's really hard for me at times to celebrate and to find the joy and the blessing in things. And this year has really pushed me personally, but I think us as a school to be like, no, we need to celebrate. Like it's that's not necessarily something that we always look at doing, you know? No, no, I have an agenda here on this questioning. And just for those listening, Maria did not know this. Why as a six on the Enneagram is what you're talking mm-hmm. about. If you haven't looked at the Enneagram, it's 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 really great. If you want to know what Jesus's Enneagram number was, it was he was a 10. <laughs> um, and so the, the fact is, though, um, you're a six on the Enneagram explain a little bit of that and why you can't celebrate because I think a lot of people probably can identify especially within within our little community I think there's actually a lot of that so yeah, yeah so sixes were the loyalists and so we are highly highly committed people but we tend to live and see the world as nothing but worst case scenarios so for me which is why you were the COVID queen yeah exactly right um that's maybe how it played to my strength, um, but or the part of my personality that that works. But uh, yeah, so as a six, I live in the, the way that I view the world is how could this create anxiety, separation, fear? Um, how could I hurt someone in this process? How could somebody, you know, think that I'm not trustworthy or not loyal? Um, And so I live in the fear uh, realm a lot. And when you live in fear and you live in anxiety, it's really hard to see joy and to experience joy because you're always waiting for what will go wrong or what could go wrong. Yeah, Yeah. you're waiting for that shoot a drop. And ironically, the six is right next to the seven, which is like the um, enthusiast. And the party captain. Yeah, the party captain. Yeah. So um, I don't have a ton of that in me. Um, But... That is ironic. So anyways, yeah, that's why, you know, when when God gives us an opportunity to celebrate and to find joy, my normal tendency is to be like, well, yeah, but look at all the other things that happen or let's not celebrate too much because we don't want to get our expectations too high because it could all come crumbling down, right? Like even as we were planning the Highlander Games and the Carnival, like my voice was in there saying, okay, what happens if a kid does get COVID, you know, um, that's, that's the way that I work. So, um, it's been really, I I feel like the Lord is pushing me. Where can you celebrate? Where can you find joy and put those anxieties down for just a second 
and and see what I've brought you to. It's one of the reasons I love the Ebenezer Stones. I mean, that has been a theme in my my life since I became a believer. But um, yeah, so. Well, and I think I think that is incredibly important to point out, though, is is because I think a lot of us are like, well, if we celebrate, we're gonna jinx it, or, <laughs> or you know, we get superstitious, yes. right? Karma. Or, Yes. Or, or, you know, we're not, as Michael Scott would say, a little stitious. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're superstitious. <laughs> and and there's a big, there is a big part of me that, that's right there with you. And, and we're all so hesitancy. And, and I would say a little bit of the nature of our school is we're all just conservative enough mm-hmm. to say, okay, it's it's nice to celebrate, but, you yes. know, we put, we put that, put that in there. And yet the Lord doesn't say, yes, but. He mm-hmm. always just says, when he says yes, he says yes. His yes, yes means yes, and his no means yes, no, Yes, right? exactly. And and all of a sudden, we're here at a time when we should celebrate. Yeah. And and if for the, for those that are that are a little bit of the, the naysayers out there, the, the sixes listening, what I would say is, you know, in, in sports, so often it's like celebrate the win today. When that clock strikes midnight, you focus on the next thing. And, and, that's, and that's the best way to go about it. And... You know, I, I think this is one of those things where we can, we don't just have to celebrate, but we can also have gratitude and we can thank oh, the yeah. Lord for the gratitude and, and allow that to to seep and, and become deeper within our hearts of saying, okay, God, thank you for that. Thank you for these opportunities. And thank you that we're coming to an end. Yeah. Like, I mean, for a myriad of reasons, like, thank you that we are, we are coming to an end. You know, and I think of Ecclesiastes, you know, there's there's a time for mourning, there's a time for dancing, um, you know, and hopefully we're coming to an end of a season where we do have to do some of the things that we've had to do. Well, in, in Ecclesiastes 4, which you're quoting, um, I just wrote on that a, a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, it says that there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, and I thought... How literal. <laughs> that's way too literal for um, one of these wisdom books. Which I oh, was, that's so funny. But yeah. that's so true, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, even, yeah, those things changing. It feels so, so nice to have some of that normalcy back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the one of the things, too, is, is we kind of also look at the end of the school year. I, I would say that one of the biggest blessings for us was being able to unmask. And mm-hmm. as we talk about this, um, I want to be very clear. That I, this is not a political statement. The unmasking was not a political statement whatsoever by the school. The masking wasn't either. That is correct. The masking nor the unmasking was political. Um you know, what we wanted to do was abide by the law. And I, I call it the Elliot Ness rule. This, I don't know if he actually said it. I just know that Kevin Costner plays him in the movies in the 90s and the, in the Untouchables, which is Sean Connery and Andy Garcia. It's a great movie. But um, what in, at the end of the movie, Elliot Ness, he's the FBI agent that was trying to stop Al Capone and, and all of the, uh, the prohibition area uh, trafficking of, of alcohol. And at the end, the uh, prohibition's repealed, and they say, Mr. Ness, you know, what are you going to do? And he says, hey, I'll have a drink. And it's not to be so literal and so legalistic. I don't want to get into the to the theology of that. But the idea is, okay, we we did not believe in masking all of our kids. Uh, we, we said that in July. In August, we, we had said that as well. And then the county came out and said, hey, we, we need you to mask up. And I'll be honest with you, as a parent, as a school administrator, I was against it. 
and then and frankly, I still am, and, and I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody about that. And, and the biggest reason is I look at it through, through a couple of lenses. Number one, um, the, the long-term effects of COVID, yes, we don't necessarily know that yet, but many of the kids, they never, those that got it, it never manifested in children the way it manifested in adults. They were not, the severity and the hospitalizations were not there. Um, this was data that was given to us each and every week, uh, every Thursday afternoon at 1.30 on Zoom that you and I attended through the Independent Schools of St. Louis uh, safety huddle meetings. So we saw that time and time again across numerous age groups, and especially as it comes to our age group of these three-year-olds through through 12-year-olds, you weren't seeing that and you weren't seeing any of the, the death rates that even the flu can at times give mm-hmm. these kids. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that the risk was less. So that would be one thing. The second thing is, is that it did interfere with some of our kids' learning, truthfully. Um, it made them touch their face more instead of less. It made them um, go through, uh, I would say, some anxiety and some some very unspoken pieces. They, they were nervous. There were many times kids would get out of the car and they wouldn't have a mask, and they were crying, and we'd have to just say, hey, it's okay. It's not a big deal. We provide a mask for them. And there was some of that. I would say a third thing was was honestly that we had plenty of other mitigation strategies in the building. Um, our classrooms went through a weekly electrostatic disinfectant spraying and um, uh, every every week that was on a rotation with our facilities staff. We had our plexiglass, we had the whole plasma generators, we had the other um, air purifiers within the classrooms and then the kids would sanitize and teachers would sanitize high touch points on a regular basis. So we had all these things in place. And then the other side of it, to me, is I don't want our kids being masked for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. I want our kids to be able to show their face. Um, I want them to be able to connect interpersonally, but I also want to protect them from any type of um, of, of really high danger situation um, because I feel like masking them and having a low risk situation, or I guess a, a low probability of them being um, abducted or something like that, I, I would much rather them not be masked because yeah. I feel like that, that would be much more beneficial in a situation like that. I feel like logic proves it. So those are my ways. Those are things that I've been convicted over over the year. So when the opportunity came to unmask, you know, the first thing that we did was we went to our board. Um, that's not something that I can make in a silo. Uh, we were actually in an, an admin meeting when, when the word came out. And so I was able to confer with, with Maria, I was able to confer with Dr. Weimer, with um, Jennifer, with um, a few others. And the, the idea was, hey, we, we want to unmask our kids. That's what we had initially. The board agreed to that. Um, we definitely went through some iterations of how we wanted to say things. But unmasking has truly changed, I would say, the last two weeks of school. Oh, the morale is like so much higher, you know. And um, I think not that we did it to make people happy. Not at all. That was not our heart behind it. Um, I think that was just a pleasant side effect that there is almost, and, and maybe it's the last two weeks of school, I don't know, but there's almost a renewed energy uh, that came that I even felt of like, yeah, oh, thank goodness, sure. as I'm like getting my two kids out of the car, I don't also have to remember the mask, you know, and I and I realized that some that are listening to this may, may be saying, gosh, it's that's such a small thing compared to the potential consequences of someone getting COVID. Right. And you're right, it is. Um, looking within our building, you know, that risk is a lot lower um, within our building because we don't have, you know, we're not, we're, we're, we're hanging out with kids, you know, um, that's, that's right. our, that's our main population. So, 
Yeah, I think it was a huge bump for us um, in our mental health um, in our connecting over the, the last few weeks um, to be able to go into a classroom and have a conversation. I was in fifth grade when both fifth grades last week doing a lesson um, on friendship and stuff and to be able to see their faces and see their expression, it, it made it a lot different and made it a lot better. Well, and what was what was interesting um, as well was some of our teachers even go, I didn't know my kid looked like that. Yeah, I know. I had the same. Yeah, because some of these kids, you know, I only see when I go in there um, and with not doing lunch bunches and all those other things that, that I even normally do. It's like, yeah, there are some new kids that I or some some of our younger kids that are masked that are new that like I had never seen their full face. Right. So, um you know, and, I, and again, I think the biggest thing to remember that, that the county did was move it from a mandate to a recommendation. And we have always believed as a partnership school that the family can make that decision, that right. it is in their responsibility as parents to decide if their child will be masked or not. Um, and so I'm so glad we got to give that responsibility to the parents. Yeah, well said. Yeah, and and that that is it. That is a huge part of it. Is what can we turn over to the parents and allow them to make that decision? And what do we need to do? And so I think one of the things that you pointed out, Maria, is when a child is in our building, um, anything structurally speaking, so a desk, a chair, whatever, um, within the building aspect, we want to be able to control and say, hey, we're going to be doing this. But as it pertains to the body of the child, um, we do want to make sure that the parents are there. Uh, maybe the only caveat would be a uniform, but um, that gets into another piece of pedagogy yeah. that, that I won't go into right now. It's another podcast. Yeah, right. Um, but I am a believer in uniforms, um, and I've taught in schools with both. Hey, as am I. Yeah. First so, through 12th, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, right. Um, and so I, th- that being said, though, uh, I, you know, it's again, it's, it's an apolitical thing, but um, I know it feels very political, and, and so... Uh, do know that our hearts there were, were truly just out of out of returning to what we felt like is, is a partnership school. So let's shift the conversation and kind of wrap up today with next year. What does next year look like? And we're not prophets nor sons or daughters of prophets. So um, times and, I wish we were. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're, we're also not in hometowns either for either one of us. So yeah. let, let's talk through that for a second. Maria, what are some, let's just say, general predictions that you might have for next year? Health screeners will be gone, which I'm not going to lie. That's, I mean, it's been so fun to see everybody's face, but I know that's not the most fun thing to do in the morning. Um, you know, to sit there and fill out your health screener is. I hate Yes. Yes. So uh, we do not imagine that that will be there. Um, One, because we just saw that the when we really went to do contact tracing, there was a lot more accurate, up to date ways to get the information we needed. Um, You know, and originally when we when we put those in, it was a recommendation and it was kind of like, yeah, then that'll give us a good idea of who we're who's going to be who was here what day. And it's like, well, we have absences and tardies for that. Um, so, so yeah, I don't imagine, um, and, you know, my, my little um, prediction would be that those would be gone. Um, I think structurally speaking, cohorts will continue in the sense that we're all, I mean, we've already, we already separate quite a bit 
you know, age wise. Um, and so I think some of those things may feel similar, though I don't know if we'll be as strict with our cohorts, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so the kids were already cohorted before, you know, before COVID to some degree. Um, and so I imagine that we'll keep some of those things. I think carpool's gone really well this year, minus the first day. Minus the first day. Um, so, and Talk you know that. your Ebenezer. Yeah, and that's an example of like where you may see still some, quote, cohorting um, that isn't necessarily cohorting. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if, if we'll go back to carpool in the gym because, I mean, that has always been a challenge. So, um, As of right now, we will not. Yeah, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's, if all the teachers would say, be saying yay right now too. So that would be my guess. Um, as far as some noticeable differences, health screeners, um, laxed, more lax cohorts, carpool. I think those things will probably, the will, will come and go, you know, um, I don't know about the plexiglass. I don't, I don't know where we'll land on that. Um, I think th- hopefully what this summer will allow on the COVID side, is for us to gain more knowledge about what you know what it looks like in our age range um uh moderna and pfizer have both said that their vaccine for 12 to 15 year olds is 100 percent effective um you know against against covid against, against severe death and illness i think um so i think we'll have more information about that i don't i don't know if that will affect anything you know regarding what we do because it's a vaccine and you know all that stuff right and, and one thing that i will say too is i think parents will be back in the building oh yeah oh for sure parents will be back in the building yes definitely and remember that all these are predictions and none of this is actually um holding us to we're, yeah, we're just, yes we're just, <laughs> we're just pontificating yes yes so please don't hold hold us yeah. to that because maria got a little too excited on that one yeah yeah <laughs> you know um and I'm someone who's in the building every day, you know, and right. so I've had the pleasure of being able to walk by Millie's class um, and see her. And and it breaks my heart that my husband hasn't been able to do that, you know, and um, that other parents haven't been able to do that. So, man, if there's one thing that we want to bring back, that is definitely one thing as yeah. soon. And I'm like, okay, if the Cardinals are going to full capacity, surely we can allow parents back in the building, right? <laughs> so, um, which is another huge, huge win. But right. Um, so yeah, those, those would be some of my predictions. Well, and I think, I think too, we're, we're going to do the best thing possible to get ourselves to back to normalcy as, as we can. And, um, you know, there's going to be some things that I would say are positive changes. You know, you mentioned carpool, I think carpool in the classrooms, uh, both in the morning and the afternoon have gone incredibly well doing the three lines, um, would be something else that we'll do again. Mm-hmm. I think even if parents can walk in next year, I think we'll still stick with the three lines. That's gone very, very, very well. well. Um, and then I think an, another aspect to it is we'll probably do, um, lunches in the classroom. Now, how's that going to work? Well, we've got a few logistic things that we need to figure out, but we'll probably do one grade at a time in the lunchroom. So for instance, if first grade's in the lunchroom, second grade would be in the classroom because they have lunch at the same time. Third grade would be in the lunchroom. Fourth grade would be in their classroom. And then we'd alternate weeks and you know you can do the math from there. But the, the lunch in the classroom has actually gone really well. It has. And, and part of it is, is kids need that social time. They need that social opportunity. But often what we find is the more unstructured time that they have on campus, 
Um, it's not the best always. Yeah. Lunch and recess keeps me employed, right? That's exactly right. And so when we see that, we, we what we really want is we also want to set our kids up for success. Um, and we saw some success with that. We saw some success with the teachers in that. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, we'll have a good lunch plan as well. But yeah, um, can I ask you one question? Oh, please. Um, if you had to, if there's like a memory that comes to mind from this year, like a visual memory of, wow, that was an amazing thing to see. What would it be? That's a really good question. You know, I, I think there's, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot that's happened this year. Um, I would say if I was just really kind of stripping away everything it's for me it's it's honestly it's just carpool um you know those of you that see me I'm out there in the morning um, and I'm out there in the afternoon and I think it's seeing family after family and the gratitude that you guys expressed and you didn't have to and and the the continual gratitude all year the encouragement just the passing words those were were just drops in a very big bucket that felt empty I would say in July mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and right now I feel like it's truly overflowing and you guys have made that happen and so while that's not incredibly specific yeah I would say it's those moments in carpool um, where, where people would just say incredibly kind things or, or compliment a teacher or compliment um, just how things were going or what their kids were experiencing that was amazing yeah. And, and needed, I think. And that, that would be an unstated need that we had at the beginning of the year that I, I didn't expect. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. You know, um, the other the other thing that I would I would just kind of want to end with is, you know, as, as we look towards, you know, the summer and we look towards next year, um, we don't want to miss the fact that, that this is going to be a memory for our kids um, mm-hmm. that, that might be considered positive. Um, if we can put it in the, if we can spin it that way, it's more likely going to be negative because it's been a lot of annoyances. But I think what we, as we, as we get to just kind of looking at the, at the next few years, we're going to see that by being in school, that there was incredible benefit mm-hmm. to our children's social, emotional, educational, and spiritual health. Amen. And I think it's one of those things that it's kind of like, you know, um, you know, think I had savings bonds as a kid. Um, and, and I remember, um, and I'll I'll use this analogy poorly, but I'll use it. Um, my grandmother and grandfather would give me a savings bond. I'd be like, cash? No, it's a savings (laughs) bond, kid. You can cash that in for $5. I was like, what? So for those of you unfamiliar with savings bonds, um, this was essentially something issued by the U S government through our banks and my grandparents could go down and they could buy $20 and they would turn $20 over to the bank and they would get a $50 savings bond or whatever it cost. And then in 10, 15, 20 years, your savings bond was worth that much money or more or more. And so over the years, I would get these $50, dollars savings bonds at Christmas or birthdays. And I would always want to like spit my gum out and wrap it up in the savings bond and throw it away. Um, I got one for a science fair project yeah. one time. I was going to say, I feel like I won a few. Yeah, right. You could win them. Um, they, they were great things. But uh, I had worked in the summer of 2000, 
four. Is that right? No, five. Excuse me. Summer of 2005. I had worked for a man named Kent Berry. And um, I did work that most people in third world countries that are trying to survive wouldn't want to do. Um, and it was everything from like picking up rocks um, in a field all day long, sun up to sundown. Um, I mean, I did like migrant labor work that, that we think of like, Ooh, that's a tough life. And this man just worked me and worked me. Now he's a huge blessing to me. And there's other stories that I have of him, but he just worked me really hard that summer. And, and I remember, and about a third of the way through, I was dating, I was dating Katie at the time. And he said, you know, do you, you want to marry this girl? And I was like, eh, maybe, I, I don't know, you know, whatever. And he said, well, if you do, let's, let's, let's get you enough hours in this summer to earn you a ring. And I'm like, Notice he said, let's get you enough hours. He didn't <laughs> say, he didn't say, I'm going to give you money. I yeah. mean, but, but, you know, he can earn it. And sure enough, Katie, the ring that Katie has came because I, I earned that money that summer. But I remember needing to buy the, the engagement ring and the wedding ring at the same time. I didn't have enough money. And those saving bonds came and in. And those savings <laughs> bonds, dadgummit, came in. And, oh, my gosh. And that's how I paid for it. That is so funny. I cashed those bad boys in. I forgot. My mom was like, I went to the bank the other day, and I opened the deposit box, and in it were all your savings bonds. Oh, my gosh. And that's how I did it. And I, I mean, and I was, like, so disappointed because I'm like, I spent an entire summer of blood, sweat, and tears waking up at 6 a.m., going home at 7 p.m. Like, I'm sitting there. And I still don't have enough. I mean, I felt so worth it. And then yet here it was, the drip of the savings bond comes in. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say I feel like this year has been one of those years where I've worked just as hard as I did the summer Mm of 2005. And I feel like I had that you as parents in the community have worked us incredibly hard, but we're incredibly encouraging. And here we are, and we've gotten to the end of the year, and we've got these savings bonds. Like, what a blessing. And God did it again, right? Yeah. God, God's taken taken what little we've had and made it a lot more. He's taken our two two fish and five loaves, and he's made it to feed a, a community. And and that that's that might, I mean, that's the type of memory that st- sticks out, and that's what I want us to remember going forward. Yeah, that's an awesome, awesome story. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, but it has it has been. I think we will look back on this year and with grief at you know and and joy, which is um, that's how life is, right? That is until Jesus comes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of the podcast. That's the end of our our school year. Uh, we are so grateful for you guys, and we thank you so much for doing that. And we cannot wait to hear what God does in the story of your summer. And for that, we end the school year on this. And thank you so much, parents, for listening.